0: hi everyone welcome to the art of money podcast where i share honest conversations about how money influences our personal experiences beliefs and relationships infusing this taboo subject with a loving dose of dark chocolate and inspiring encouragement i am barry tesler a financial therapist author and creator of The Art of Money, which is my flagship program, year-long money school, and global community. Integrating money healing, money practices, and money maps, The Art of Money is my holistic framework, blending therapeutic, body-based practices with the real-life tools you need to create healthy, sustainable change in your relationship with money. So you can say goodbye to that dusty old budget And hello to healing your money life. Learn more on my website, BarryTesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast. Learn more on my website, BarryTesler.com. For now, grab something to sip on, get comfy, and tune in to today's episode of the Art of Money podcast.
1: For today's show, we're going to start the story here.
0: Hi there. Hi. <laughs> You're on camera now. Yeah. So, hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the Art of Money Roadshow. And we're going to do something a little different. We're going to actually, we'll have Forrest on camera. And we're going to share a little bit about our story, because here we are in Petaluma, California, and we just spent the day in our old stomping grounds in Sebastopol, California, Mm. in our tiny little log cabin, and we went back to visit where it all began.
1: Okay, so a little context here. This is Barry and I sitting on a picnic table under a big tree in an RV campground in Petaluma, California, Back in January of 2015, we were just about at the halfway point of a crazy two-week journey from Seattle, Washington to Santa Cruz, California in a small RV with our son and my mom. So, okay, here's the deal. 14 days in an RV in winter with stops in about eight different cities along the way. Each time we stopped in, Barry would do multiple interviews with past Art of Money students and guest teachers. I was filming the whole thing then I'd edit each video interview and we'd publish the episode hours after it was recorded from the RV. We called it the Art of Money Road Show, and the series of episodes we published were our bits of free content for last year's registration period for the Art of Money program. It was without a doubt the most difficult challenging trip we'd ever taken. Getting to meet some of our students and guest teachers live in person and to be able to talk with them and hug them, all of that was amazing. But We could have done it by renting cars and staying in hotels and skipping the RV part altogether. So, I don't know, at least now we know. (laughs) The particular interview you're hearing now with Barry and I never actually aired during the road show. We ended up with too much content for our series and decided not to air this conversation between her and I. Okay, so we were recording at sunset and there was a lot of bird activity and families in the campground, so please forgive all the background noise. And as Barry just mentioned in that first clip, we'd also just come from our first visit to Sebastopol earlier in the day, which is where Barry and I moved together 15 years ago, six months after we began our relationship. It's where the art of money methodology and business were born. And it's where Barry started becoming aware of her own unconscious relationship with money.
0: Like my relationship to money was also non-existent right it was i don't want have anything to do with this i don't have a connection this is this-
1: before you started learning quickbooks
0: yeah this yeah. was in graduate school studying to be a psychotherapist. some of you know this story it was we studied every topic under the sun beyond the sun and they completely left out any course topic Questions about money, about how to set up a private practice, about how to sit with my couples while they're having fights about money. It was so completely left out. It was such a missing piece of my education right. that when my student loan came due, it became, oh my god, I'm either, right. I'm either stepping out of culture and society, leaving the states and going to travel forever and never come back and be a nomad and not deal with this thing called money or actually step into it. Yeah. So I, I faced it and started. Learning bookkeeping and how to track. And so, we were in,
1: the, in that little cottage that you saw earlier. And don't worry, we'll get back to that cottage in just a second. In the bed, reading QuickBooks manuals right, while we were going right, to sleep. I was right. like, What are you doing? What is that? And
0: I would get so excited. She was by like this. completely
1: jazzed up, had a stack of bookkeeping books, like all the software and like how to do. Because all- I
0: wasn't good at math as a kid, yeah. and I somehow had equated math with money. So if I'm not good at math, I'm not good with money. And then someone taught me quick and QuickBooks, you know, sat me down, held my hand and showed me how to do it. And so it was so empowering that I could use the other side of my brain that like all of these light bulbs went on just, oh my God, I can do this. And there was also, wow, there's so much deeper stuff and more layers mm. going on but here. it was it's empowering it was empowering
1: for you, it was when you started, very yeah, empowering you were, she was lit I was right.
0: lit I, I was so I was lit and started learning bookkeeping is like the foundational part of my money journey Um, but I was starting a business for the first time and I used to hang up flyers all over Sebastopol and Grayton little dinky flowers flowers little dinky flyers with my photo on it that Forrest took the photo of we created the flyers and we would hang them up and I got my first clients that way and I started doing bookkeeping for artists I remember all of them we would pass of their houses today therapists contractors like what was shifting
1: for you as you were learning the software and doing bookkeeping you were really excited as a new skill but like well
0: I was also moving through a money ceiling like working my nonprofit job as a social worker therapist with a master's in psychology I was making $11 an hour for hospice for mental health you know, I was I was making eleven dollars an hour. So when I started doing bookkeeping, I went to fifteen an hour, and then twenty an hour, and then twenty-five an hour. And I remember moving past two thousand a month, mm-hmm. and twenty-five hundred a month. So I was starting to see my own money ceilings and my own limiting beliefs, and um, what I thought my capacity was, and what I thought my value was, and my sense of that, and. I wasn't I, I I knew this deeper work of being a therapist but I was now I didn't know how to create a livelihood mm. out of it. So I did not know my value in that way or I did not know how to create a business. Right that would be successful that i would thrive and be able to do my work so my transitional stepping stone was this bookkeeping it was
1: bookkeeping and then you met Tamara and then, and then she I met kind my of, that mentor that was the, the first fusion like that's like it linked up
0: well i was i was starting to try to vision how to integrate all this deep space holding and deep work i was doing as a therapist and in my authentic movement groups then i was learning all these practical systems and tools and bookkeeping and fell in love with that. And I was starting to try to envision, how do I bring them together? Does that even make sense? Is that even possible? And I met Tamara Slate and my mentor.
1: Okay, now how Barry met her is pretty interesting. She was on her way to her first bookkeeping client's house in Sebastopol. And way out in the countryside, a white pickup truck was parked cattywampus, like it was blocking the gravel road she was on. She got out of the car and asked the owner if he could move it. And a man with white hair and a a bushy mustache turned around from the work he was doing on the side of the road, looked at her kindly and said, Barry Tesler, what are you doing in California? And it it turned out that this kind, wizard-looking character was Warren Bellows, an acupuncturist and artist that had done healing sessions with Barry back in Denver six months prior to that day. They got to chatting, and Barry told him she was doing bookkeeping now and was on her way to her first client meeting. And he said, oh you have to meet Tamara of Grayton. Warren told her about Tamara Slayton and her work, and Barry said, I know who Tamara is. This is crazy. I've been saving an old paper newsletter she wrote years ago. It was about women's work and initiating girls into womanhood, and I use it as part of my research for my master's thesis. So it seemed that Barry was meant to meet and work with Tamara, and it turned out that She invited me over to her
0: house and she was the one who helped me begin to put it together Mm -hmm. and then she demanded that I create a talk and she would gather the people and so basically we went out into the woods and that was a story that we shared earlier when
2: we were at the cabin.
1: And now we come back to that tiny cabin in the Redwoods, the first place Barry and I lived together six months after our relationship began. Which at the time this episode is being published was about 15 years ago. We hadn't been back to this little cabin in nine years. We stopped here on our RV roadshow trip and I was filming Barry, who was giving folks a tour of our tiny little home that was not much bigger than about a medium sized sailboat.
0: Hi everyone, this is really, really, really wild because we're in the Redwoods in Sebastopol, California. And this is where everything began. This 350 square foot cottage is where Forrest and I lived. You can take a little picture of it. And these French doors were the windows to our bedroom, and it opened up to this little deck, and it opened up to these redwoods in this little creek and stream here. And really, in this 350 square foot cabin is where we visioned the entire Art of Money methodology. Back then, I called it Conscious Bookkeeping, and I was asked by my dear mentor, Tamara Slayton, to go um, and give a talk to her community about um, bookkeeping and money and our relationship to it.
1: So, I want to pause for a moment and share this short clip with you, which is from one of the group coaching calls from Inside the Art of Money year-long program. While we were in Sebastopol, right during the time Barry was starting to teach the Art of Money method, she had a really powerful dream which was almost like a vision
2: so let me just end with this dream I, I i want to leave you with this image so um when i was working with tamara um 8 years ago i got to be with her the first 2 years of my business and then so 10 years ago 9 years ago and then she passed um 2 years after i met her she was leaving her she was she was dying. She was leaving her body um for for a few years and I got to be with her during that time and um do her bookkeeping with her for her have many conversations of reviewing her numbers with her, setting goals, intentions, um and her sharing um the economic teachings of Rudolf Steiner. And And I remember when she created, she basically created a chart of accounts before she left, and she put a value of her intellectual property. She put a number next to it, and it was a million. And I actually think it was way more than that. She'd created many books. She was an incredible visual artist. And um, I'm looking at a picture of her on my wall right now where there's a painting behind her, it's 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 beautiful, and and but she put that number. She put that number. She wanted to put a number on her intellectual property, as she was she was getting ready to pass. She was trying to understand her life, and after she passed, my husband was asked to um, make the coffin. Was asked to build the coffin that she was cremated in. Um, which was quite something, and we all prayed for quite a few days after she passed with her body and and sat with her body. Um, that's what she did in her tradition for many days, and then Forrest made the coffin, and then there was a whole ceremony of, of her cremation. That was what she chose, and within a few weeks of, of her passing, Uh, Many things came to be, um, but one of them was that I had a dream that I received a package. And it was a big package. And when I opened it up, it was a huge book, um, a huge red book that Tamara had created. She created the paper. um, She designed it. She put it all together. She, from scratch, made this huge book. And, as I opened up the book, it was page after page after page in her really unique creative handwriting, each with lines and lines of lines of every single moment and activity in her entire life and there was a number there was a numerical value given to each line and i each line had a different color. And it was her handwriting, and she wrote it out, and it was like her book of life that she was letting me see. And and I wondered, you know, I had a moment of there's a value, a money value or a number value put on each of these dear moments, precious moments, is that sacrilegious? And it wasn't. It was the most beautiful dream and gift that I could have received from her and it just gave me this incredible image of this live, life chart of accounts that Tamara created and, and then shared with me.
1: So let's go back to the little cottage. Tamara had asked Barry if she would create a class about how to combine bookkeeping skills with personal growth and spirituality so that She could help a group of women in the area become more conscious around money and change their relationship to it. But Barry didn't really know what she was going to teach about or how the heck she was going to combine all these things into one coherent talk. So she did what she's continued to do for years. She went for a hike in nature to get inspiration and ideas and some clarity.
0: I took a walk in the woods and I said, what does my community need to know and what are the concepts? and what are the phases, and what are the words, and what's the methodology, and I just really went on this walk asking, what can I bring back to my community um, to begin to help us all become more conscious and aware with our relationship to money, and learn how to have a healthy relationship to this huge area of life that was still so shadow and taboo and foreign and scary to so many of us. Back then, this was 14 years ago in 2001, And so I went on the walk in the woods and I got some information and um, brought it back and brought it back to this little cabin in the woods and me and Forrest got out this big white paper and we literally just started listing out financial therapy, phase one, values-based bookkeeping, phase two, life vision planning, phase three. And now those are called money healing, money practices, and money maps. And you know, on our website it says like there was this audible zap in this little cabin at this time when we were first coming together and we were first visioning for this money work and it happened here <laughs> which is just so wild and it happened in this cabin with the with this white paper on the wall the three phase of our of our journey that i've taught in almost every format imaginable for the last 14 years and now we're doing in our year-long journey the art of money
1: and so in this tiny little 350 square foot cabin that was barely big enough for a couch and a bed is where we came up with the name conscious bookkeeping. Um,
0: that's where you came up with the yeah, name conscious bookkeeping. And then I came
1: up with like, hey, you know what, you're actually kind of a financial therapist. And so we called it financial therapy. And you were one of the first people to get out in the world and actually call it financial therapy. I
0: remember Googling financial therapy. And yeah. there was one other woman in Canada um, using that name as well.
1: So that's how this whole art of money methodology and business began way back when. But there's another side of the story that wasn't publicly visible at the time that everything was getting off the ground 15 years ago. Barry and I were struggling at the time financially. Over the 15 years since the business was born, it's grown quite a bit. It's now a multi-six-figure business, but back in the early days before her business had grown and before I'd figured out how to make more money than I was making at the time, things were pretty hard
0: This is the other piece I want to share. When we were in Sebastopol and you were trying to find your work and meaningful work Mm -hmm. and how to make money (laughs) and I was starting this bookkeeping business and I was trying to figure out pricing and how much to charge and what's my deeper work here and how do I integrate it all, we were struggling Mm -hmm. and I want to be really honest and clear about that because we've grown so far and we have a really beautiful livelihood. Um, A thriving livelihood and Mm -hmm. international community. But back then, in the first few years, I just remember one one day you'd be on the floor crying.
1: So, yeah, I was brought to my knees a few times in my past around money challenges. There have been two or three times where I was reduced to a puddle of tears on the kitchen floor, not knowing how to change my financial reality for the better. But we'll come back to my story in a little bit. Another day
0: I'd be, like, so um, overwhelmed or anxious, or is this going to work? Like, I'm doing all these steps to start this business. Is it going to work? Because I was trying to move from bookkeeping into teaching these classes and filling groups of 10 people Mm -hmm. each time and did that over and over.
1: Yeah, and I was making 11 bucks an hour at Integral Institute and volunteering a lot of time at that organization, getting paid nothing. and yeah that was the tears on the floor just like I still I just I couldn't find like I found a really cool thing to do but I was getting paid a tiny tiny bit and not enough to support both of us and and I I didn't find the solution until I got hired at a tech company in Santa Cruz that wanted my intellectual skills for their software company and that was like that was the start of something big okay so let's back up for a moment At this point, I had started to make a big shift in my earning potential, but it didn't just drop in my lap one day. Back in the day, I realized that I was missing a huge chunk of knowledge about how to make money, and it stemmed from further back in my life, from an intention I had set around money when I was 14. I had this realization that I skipped the class where you learn how to make money, and I, was, I
0: would say you skipped a class not only on how to make money, but how to create a livelihood of doing work that you love right. So you weren't clear on what your true work was, what your yeah, passions were, and how I, to actually yeah. create a livelihood I didn't know what the what
1: I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was going through Saturn Return and trying to figure life out, and I was screwing drawers together like fixtures for department stores and um, malls. I was screwing drawers together here. And that was my job and making, you know, 10 bucks an hour and didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just like I had the realization that that um, I needed to go back into the class that I skipped because I went off on a spiritual journey and playing music and trying to become a musician. And at the time, I, I was still like playing out this story that I had when I was 14. And I remember the exact intersection I was sitting at with my dad in the car. And I don't know what, how it came up, but the conversation came up about money, and I just turned to him and I said, Dad, I hate money. Oh. I want to go live in a cabin. I've never
0: in, heard you say that.
1: I want to go live in a cabin in the woods.
0: I knew that part. He, what was his response to you?
1: He just sat there. Like, I don't, he didn't really respond. There was nothing. I never got taught any money lessons mm. from him. He was the, like the ruler of all money in the household. He made it all. Um, he
0: decided how it was going to be spent for the exactly. most part. Exactly.
1: Um, just like a really weird unconscious money lessons from him. So, I think that's like where I unconsciously figured I was going to skip that. I just didn't want to have any. I was going to be opposite of him. Yeah. Which meant trying to get out of society and not make money. Um, and that's what happened to me for a long time. I just kind of skidded by, like barely scraping. I lived in a teepee. I operated to a cabin with no electricity in an outhouse cabin in the woods. I actually manifested what I said when I was 14. Yeah. Barely living.
0: Well, you were learning primitive skills, like you were learning how to survive. I was outside learning how to be an culture.
1: aborigine out yeah. in the woods, so I could survive with nothing. Yeah. Um, and then I got interested in making money and I went back to that class and I started studying online membership courses. Yeah. And it was that park that we're going to in a few days in San Francisco. When Dolores re- Park. When I read the. Um, there was a course called Teaching cells where I first started learning um, online marketing and, and selling information and I got so excited with you sitting in that park and I read you the entire free report and it was like a big turning point for me. I was like, this. I can do this and then I eventually applied all of that online stuff to your business.
0: True but you can back up because you started working for Ken Wilber and you were one of his theoretical editors and you went back to graduate school for integral psychology Mm -hmm. and then pretty soon after that that's when you got hired by a tech company. I mean so there were things that were happening you were developing yourself in your skill around how to make money around how to find some work that felt satisfying for you. Mm Um well, then to. you stumbled upon teaching cells, right. Right. which is now... The
1: yeah. Integral Institute job was my first sit-down job. Yeah. I had been digging post holes at a farm and just doing random jobs, like I said, screwing drawers together.
0: You are doing manual labor. I was doing yeah. manual
1: labor because I didn't know how to make money with my mind, and I wanted to sit down in an office chair and somehow make money with my mind. That and was, creativity. Uh, yeah. yeah, and that was my big dream, and I actually got that with the Integral Institute, but it didn't pay yeah. at all. So I'd finally made some progress. I mean, I finally found a way to earn money that didn't involve me digging ditches or working on construction job sites or screwing drawers together. But I still hadn't fully cracked the nut of making a sustainable amount of income. That happened when I was hired by a company called ZSpace in the Silicon Valley. It turned out that
0: They wanted your intellectual skills and intellectual property and we're gonna pay and paid you a really nice amount so in that moment we both could have said wow we can't do what we love and make good money like somehow those are separate we can't be creative and also make good money Mm. you know and have a wonderful life and livelihood and lifestyle as Mm. well we could have done that but we just took the next steps and persevered and kept going but I just want you all to get um someone said we look shiny uh, recently and it was like okay well let me take you back to where we were at the beginning and yeah it wasn't so shiny it was hard internal work of really understanding who we are what our value is and then getting really savvy with external
1: yeah 14 years also it's like it took 14 years to get just your business up to where it is now yeah it's a long long road. Yeah, but Um, we've had
0: many points along the way where um, we had business models that were, like I had a whole team in the Bay Area of bookkeeping trainers and financial coaches and that was a great business model for a while and then we had our child and changed the model again. Had to rebuild
1: it and that's when we took your, the stuff that you were doing um, live with people. In the Bay Area, and made it the first. It was like, was it the Conscious Bookkeeping online program? It was the Conscious
0: Bookkeeping. Well, we were. I was teaching live classes. I would teach groups of ten people, twelve people, and then twenty people, from Sebastopol to Marin to San Francisco to Berkeley. Right,
1: but then you moved it to the phone.
0: But I was traveling everywhere, and then we moved it to the phone Mm -hmm. and teleconferences. And then we moved it to an entire home study course that you created. Right, and I'd
1: been studying how to do that for a couple years up at that point. And we just plugged everything into making an online program, and that was the start of the new model. So that's how we started building up the business and revenue side of things. But at the same time, we were starting to do a number of money practices to help with the other aspects of our relationship to money. These are practices that are now part of the Art of Money methodology.
0: The other thing that was going on during that time were all of these money tools and practices that we were starting to do with each other. Yeah. So you went from your hippie budget yeah. to writing things down. I went to not doing anything to learning quickening QuickBooks and starting to track everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: On a daily basis, on a weekly yeah. basis and weekly basis. You're started, nutty. It was every
1: I, <laughs> single day. She well, was I, doing the numbers. Because
0: like. it was just this like grounding practice for me. It took five minutes every day to track my numbers. It, it didn't seem yeah. like a big deal and it felt good in my body yeah. to do it.
1: Yeah. Around the same time, I was having my own wake up moments around finding the courage to look at my numbers and how doing so made a big difference for me. Um, Instead of holding it off here and just like ignoring it, having the courage to just look at the numbers even when things in my financial reality are kind of scary or our reality now, um, looking at it like it calms me down. It like gives me a big reality check and it becomes the ground. It's like, okay, I know exactly what's in our account. I know exactly what we're going to need. We kind of know roughly what's coming in.
0: We know what the cushion is. We
1: know what our cushion is, and we just kind of like seeing it calms me down. And it be, and whereas before it was like I was afraid that if I looked I would have a panic attack. You know I'd go to the grocery store and Whole Foods in Sebastopol where we just were today, and I would have little mini panic attacks when I get one bag of groceries and it was like a hundred dollars or something. You know for one bag of groceries, and I would I would freak out like. Oh my God, that was a it was a lot of money to me. And, and I did, because I didn't know what was in my account, the not knowing created more fear than me actually just looking at the reality of it and being like, okay, this is what I have. Like, boom, this is the reality. Even if it's like we're going to be a little short, what can we do to bring in some more money to make what we need to make? So simple awareness was really big for us. Tracking our numbers, doing our bookkeeping, having reality checks that grounded us these were important money practices for us, but we decided to add in some others.
0: So, some of the practices that we started adding is we started having money dates with each other.
1: Yeah, and we actually started competing with each other too, because right. I, had, I had a side, <laughs> I always had side businesses up until a year ago, and throughout the year, and then especially on December 31st, at the end of the year, we'd, we'd whip out our numbers, and, and it was like really light and playful, just like, okay. What'd you make this year, you know? <laughs> it's was like, oh, you beat me by $10,000, you know? It was like, oh, I'm going to get you next year. It was really fun, and then...
0: Well, that started happening when we moved to Santa Cruz. Yeah. And you got this great job at the tech company. Yeah. Conscious Bookkeeping became this whole team. I had a business partner. We had yeah. lots of practitioners under our umbrella, lots of coaches and consultants, and I was overseeing all of it. And we didn't have a child, and we had extra cash flow, and we started having money dates we started having year end competition pulling whipping out our numbers and saying who made more so our money dates started getting a lot more elaborate it wasn't just like this playful competition showing our numbers you started doing you took over the bookkeeping and then you started doing these fancier spreadsheets that right. were really sexy it was like you go. You yeah. go, honey.
1: Never would have imagined spreadsheets would turn you on, but they <laughs> Well,
0: do. you started, I mean, I did a bookkeeping for so long, and then we realized it was time to switch, or you realized you wanted to pay attention more, so you took it over. Mm. And then you started whipping out these really elaborate spreadsheets and started doing cash flow planning and projections. So you know if we wanted to take a trip we can plug that in and see how we're doing if we wanted to buy a king-size bed
1: Mm -hmm. um yeah the the spreadsheets were like born out of a frustration of not having the software that i want that shows me exact forecast numbers that i want to see like if we buy this bed now what's going to happen in six months given that we want to do a few other things and we've got these expenses happening every month expenses in business and personal So the only way to do it is that spreadsheet, it's a custom spreadsheet, it's a pain in the ass, but um, until someone makes some software or I make some software that does exactly what I want it to do. um,
0: So what other tools and practices, like from day one where we weren't even doing bookkeeping, where we weren't even paying attention, we weren't looking at our numbers, we didn't know how to earn in alignment with our values and our passion and like we've grown leaps and bounds but it's been baby step baby step baby step over
1: years well we talked about a bunch it was first my awareness uh, the, having the courage to look yeah um it's looking at you know how to make more money yeah i know it sounds really obvious but um and getting aware of our spending habits and where we put things and tracking yeah so it's not only looking but it, then you start to track make more money, we started to do money dates. we started to compete with each other a little bit, which is kind of fun. Um, Starting
0: to really understand our value and how to bring that to the marketplace. Yeah, an
1: alignment of our values with a desire to make uh, a certain amount of money and And how those those line up so that we can build a business model or for some people it's how to to find a job that allows them to do that. Because not everybody has an entrepreneurial spirit, which is totally fine. So I think that's a lot, lot. uh, from where we were when we started here, when you started Conscious Bookkeeping here, when I was trying to figure out my life, and you know at points crumpled up on the floor crying trying to figure things out, and then how we got here, where things are very different now.
0: (laughs) So there's been a lot of internal work and there's been a lot of external work, and it's just been like refining and updating and Mm -hmm. tweaking.
1: Yeah, and it's not all yeah. shiny and, and perfect and
0: we still have room to grow.
1: Totally. Yeah, and we there's will lot, for years a to lot come. To grow.
0: Yeah. And every year we do.
1: And we're going through stuff now that's not on camera. It's there's stuff happening even now in our trip. It's still coming up. It's just different versions of, of our money exactly. stories, you know. Right,
0: right. The numbers are bigger. Um, and still stuff comes up. So I always say it's not that you're not gonna have any emotions um, when money things come up, or it's not that like you're gonna to get to a point where it's completely neutral. Folks do get to a point where their, their reactions or responses aren't as big, where they do feel more neutral, yeah. but it's more about just how do you respond to each of those situations. Yeah, she right? still
1: has money issues, so do I. Like we're,
0: Yes, yes. You know. Hi again, thank you so much for joining me today. What you heard here is a delicious sample of the loving guidance heartful inspiration, and practical tools you'll find in my year-long money school, The Art of Money. I hope you found something here to take with you, a lesson, some inspiration, or even just a little grace for yourself and where you are in your own money journey. If you're feeling called to wade deeper here, please pack your financial goals, soul-deep aspirations, and grab your favorite person. You can find out more at barrytesler.com.